Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Riel reporting here at Generation Z. It is September 16th, 2022. The public the episode might be published today, or it may be published uh tomorrow morning, Saturday. But let's get to it. We've actually got quite a bit to report on. I've got 30 articles that I have accumulated. Uh, and still, this is only uh, surface level of all the articles that I've been going through. These are just the ones that are the most pressing and I find uh, have a flow with their sequencing. So without further ado, here we go. First story is China plans three missions to the moon after discovering a new lunar mineral that may be a future energy source. Now, this is very interesting. China is aiming to launch three unmanned missions to the moon after, after discovering a new lunar mineral that could be an energy source in the future. What is the energy source? It is helium-3. So this is just something to monitor for us. Um, and this was from Insider News from September 11th, 2022. Next up, we have from CBC News, September 1st. Humans want to mine the moon. Here's what space law experts say the rules are. Lunar exploration will be a test for space resource management. Will we pass or fail? Of course, this image here, if you're seeing, uh, is an illustration of what a NASA base camp at the lunar south pole might look like. This is not a real image. This is a fake image of what it might look like for NASA to set up on the moon. But so this article says, mining the moon might sound like a concept that belongs in a science fiction novel, but it's likely to be a part of reality in the not so distant future. That's made it a hot topic of discussion among space lawyers. Yes, there are space lawyers on Earth. Uh, this is a fascinating topic. Um, we uh, It talks about the Outer Space Treaty, which was signed by more than 100 countries, including the US, China, and Russia, and the treaty states, that, quote, outer space, including the moon and other celestial bodies, is not subject to national appropriation by claim of sovereignty. This is what prevents countries from swooping in and declaring ownership of the moon. But they also say that you cannot plant a flag anywhere in space and say this now belongs to the U.S. This now belongs to Russia. This now belongs to China. But when it comes to mining the moon for resources, things get more complicated. Legal experts are working on teasing out exactly how the treaty applies when nations or private companies working on behalf of nations start harvesting resources from the moon or asteroids. Quote, by building a mining operation, some would argue you're actually claiming sovereignty by another means. Uh, so they say that NASA's Artemis mission, which the Canadian Space Agency is contributing to, hopes to send humans to the moon by 2030. We have that year referenced a lot in future plans by national and globalist powers. The other thing, there's a lot to cover in this article, um, but I'm going to be keeping this. And I actually do want to go into the uh, legalities of outer space treaties, which I have gone into on our uh, Generation Z slash Patreon, where I did some videos of my Dose of Reality series, specifically looking at outer space treaties, NASA, all of that stuff. And 
one thing to note here is how NASA introduced the Artemis Accords, which describes as established is what is as described as establishing a safe and transparent environment, which facilitates exploration, science, and commercial activities for all of humanity to enjoy. Okay, sure. So there's a lot to get into, but we're just scratching the surface, just bringing it to our attention that the news, mainstream news, is talking about mining celestial objects. And another term that is coming up a lot in uh, news is the Artemis Accords. What is Artemis? Well, let's just get some context here. In ancient Greek mythology, Artemis is the goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, wild animals, nature, vegetation, childbirth, childbirth care of children, and chastity. She was heavily identified with Selene, the moon, and Hecate, another moon goddess. She was also the daughter of the sky god and king of gods Zeus and Leto, twin sister of Apollo. So we have Apollo, Artemis. I just wanted to bring up that there are so many esoteric and mythical references in not only NASA, but a lot of other uh, corporations and pharmaceutical companies and things like that, but especially NASA. NASA loves to throw out these references. So it's a matter of us uh, catching them. Next up, meet the mystery diamond from outer space. SciTech uh, category from CTV News, September 16th. Scientists have debated the existence. Tiny traces provided clues. Now researchers have confirmed the existence of a celestial diamond after finding it on Earth's surface. The stone, called Lones Deliet, Lones Delight, has a hardness and strength that exceeds that of a regular diamond. What's more, the rare mineral the rare mineral arrived here by way of a meteorite, new research has suggested. What's more, the natural chemical process through which scientists believe uh, loans daliate formed could inspire a way to manufacture super durable industrial components. According to the authors of the study published September 12th in the journey, Proceedings of the Natural Academy of Sciences. Now, this is a fascinating one. Uh, this is definitely going to my archives for future articles, but isn't that interesting? Because we maybe you don't know, but Avi Loeb, uh, the astronomer from Harvard, is currently trying to locate a meteor that crashed near Papua New Guinea, and this is an open it's it's public information. So I find that interesting that we're on the verge of finding an interstellar meteor. And here we have an interstellar diamond. Next up, John Lennon's killer denied parole again for the 12th time. CTV News, September 12th. The man who shot and killed John Lennon outside his Manhattan apartment building in 1980 has been denied parole for a 12th time. This was published September 12th, 2022. Um... Yeah, we're not going to get too deep into the John Lennon stuff, but I definitely have put this part of my research. If you're interested in hearing my thoughts on doing a dive into this one, leave your comments below. I would love to hear from it and hear about it. Oh, yes. And uh, I did skip this. I wanted to actually look up on Wikipedia what is Lone's Delite. It is also called a hexagonal diamond in reference to the crystal crystal structure, which is an allotrope of carbon with a hexagonal lattice, as opposed to the cubical lattice of conventional diamond. It was first identified in 1967. So that is the context of this mystery diamond from outer space. 
it has a it is a hexagonal diamond. Fascinating. Next up, an exorcism at Saskatchewan Children's Bible Camp could be criminal, experts say. This is from September 2nd. The Redberry Bible Camp official posts apology online, announces review of regrettable incident. Yikes. Parents of children subjected to an exorcism at a Saskatchewan Children's Bible Camp says RCMP and other officials need to take the incident more seriously, and some criminal law experts agree. Well, uh, yeah, I don't quite know the, like, we, um, we're not going to go into this article. Uh, today, I wanted to have a little bit more fun with the news articles that we're going into. So there isn't so much of a theme, but at least these are interesting stories that are relevant to the Gen Z audience. And I think we will find it fascinating. Um, I didn't quite find anything esoteric or... Uh, crypto about this one, other than the fact that exorcisms are happening, demonic possessions are real, shadow people are real. So I just wonder what happened. And we'll probably do a dive on this on the jet on the Patreon side of things, because it's probably going to get sensitive. Next up, we have five killed as a powerful earthquake strikes Papua New Guinea. Videos of the aftermath of a 7.6 magnitude earthquake show cracked roads and damaged buildings. So remember about a minute ago how I mentioned the expedition to Papua New Guinea to detect an interstellar meteor. Papua New Guinea, coming up in the news. Interesting timing. That's all we're going to get into on this one. Next story. Details of huge shift for second most widely circulated cryptocurrency in the world. This was a massive story. I read about this two days before it actually came up on the mainstream news. A huge shift is about to be underway for the second most widely circulated cryptocurrency. It is a move that's being dubbed the merge. Ethereum is set to change the way it validates its transactions from proof-of-work system to a proof-of-stake system, which the Ethereum team will say will reduce energy consumption by 99.95%. Currently, the amount of energy that Ethereum uses is about 112 terawatts hours annually. To put that into perspective, that's more electricity than what the entire country of Pakistan uses in a year. So I'm not a crypto expert. I, I don't really participate in that. It seemed like a good movement a few years ago. There's the obvious crit main criticism from the conventional train of thought that the energy consumption mining for crypto is very... Uh, energy consuming. So for them to actually cut the energy consumption by 99%, well, that sounds pretty phenomenal. It is unfortunate that we have just learned through the work of Dark Journalist and other researchers like Whitney Webb that the Promise software has a backdoor, which, as the interview with Joseph Farrell suggests, could lead to a backdoor for all crypto which was kind of a big concern with the people that are established conspiracy theorists that didn't quite trust the cryptocurrency movement. And here, yeah, so we will see how this develops. On to the next one. Here's why the Stone of Destiny is being brought back to Westminster Abbey for the King's coronation from CTV News. The Stone of Destiny. Well, this sounds interesting. What's this all about? What is the Stone of Destiny? 
The king's upcoming coronation means the revival of numerous artifacts and traditions that haven't seen the light of day for decades. One is the Stone of Destiny, a hefty stone which is part of the throne at Westminster Abbey for centuries after being stolen from Scotland. Classic British Empire stealing stuff, eh? Monarchs of England and then Great Britain sat upon the throne during coronation ceremonies with the stone serving as a symbol of the monarchy's power. A stone representing power. Uh, if you were to read this book here, Manly P. Hall's Secret Teachings of All Ages, you will learn that actually it is uh, Lytholic. Let me just confirm that. Lytholic is the term for worshipping stones. Lytholic. Well, maybe I'm mistaken there. I will clarify in the comments about what I'm meaning, but it's about worshipping stones. Lytholatry. That's the word I was trying to say. You have idolatry, you have lytholatry, so worshipping stones. It is a very ancient practice. So the stone is more than a half meter long with an iron ring set into each side and a few crosses etched crudely onto the surface. Although the pinkish pockmarked rectangle of stone, also called the Stone of Scone, looks simple, it symbolizes hundreds of years of power, struggle, and conflict, with true Scottish kings traditionally crowned atop the stone for hundreds of years. In 1996, the stone is returned officially to Scotland. And how did the stone become sacred? No one actually knows. Well, I am going to look into this. Just let me write this down. Stone of Scotland, Stone of Destiny. Right on. That's going to be a fun one. Especially when you look into the etymology of coronation and the coroner and relating that to the pandemic and the UFO pandemic. Uh, sorry, the UFO disclosure campaign. A lot of fascinating stuff that I've been connecting on the Patreon that hasn't gone public yet. On to the next one. Manitoba strikes deal with drugstore chain to supply free menstrual products. The Manitoba government plans to make millions of menstrual products available for free at schools, women's shelters, and resource centers across the province. So this is from CTV News, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Manitoba is a province in Canada. It's a central prairie province. So this sounds great, right? The progressive conservative government has reached a deal with Shoppers Drug Mart, which will see the pharmacy chain supply 3.3 million tampons and pads each year for three years. Each year for three years. 3.3 million tampons for three years. That's some interesting choice of numbers. And yes, so this is great. It's, it's awful what women have to deal with. It's awful that women have to not only pay for their menstrual products, but have to deal with the uh, cycles that they go through and how the Western civilization, allopathic medical system and society handles their cycles. Uh, there's a lot that we can get into with the pol politics and, and s real world ramifications of the inequality between men and women and, and all that stuff, but we're not going there today. I just want to point out in this article uh, that the I'm going to highlight this part here if you are following with me uh, visually. The government's deal with shoppers comes five months after the two struck a deal to reduce smoking under a social impact bond. The arrangement requires shoppers to spend $2 million to fund smoking cessation programs through pharmacists. 
If a target number of smokers kick the habit, the company can receive up to 2.12 million from the province. I'm emphasizing social impact bond because if you are a member at uh, Generation Z's Patreon account, you will probably have seen my episodes going into the social impact bonds and specifically how the Premier of Manitoba signed uh, cut the red tape to usher in social impact bonds, which is straight from the World Economic Forum uh, as a way to bridge the gap between the public-private partnerships, so creating strengths, uh, strengthening bridges between the corporate worlds and the government worlds to put so uh, to put, invest in social programs. So this program gives incentive to corporations to. Uh, invest in social programs, and they call it a social impact bond. I did these uh, deep dives maybe about six months ago. They're still on uh, Patreon, Dose of Reality. If you sign up to Generation Z slash Patreon, you will be able to access these videos. I'm going to be coming out more publicly with them as this information becomes more uh, mainstream. But yeah, on to the next one. The Queen's death raises an important question about the Koh i Noor diamond, experts say. Uh, so, of course, we know the Queen died, and immediately on Twitter, it was trending the Koh i Noor. And that is referring to the world's most expensive diamond, which can be found on display in the Tower of London. It is a 105-carat diamond which with a controversial past. For many South Asians, its loss represents the subjugation of India under British colonial rule, and its return is considered partial restitution for decades of economic exploitation. Many users on Twitter called upon the British government to return the diamond. Interesting. So they stole this diamond from India, just like how they stole the stone of destiny from scotland just like how they stole so many other riches from countries all over the world and of course india is the first country to ask the uk for an artifact back in 2020 greek culture minister lena mendoni urged that the 2500 year old parthenon sculpture should be returned to greece and of course we have done other uh we've covered other reports of other uh colonial european powers returning artifacts that they stole. This is a theme, it seems. Okay, uh, the next couple ones are still related to royalty. The Queen's death accelerates ex-colonies push to ditch the UK crown. Removing the British monarch as head of state would complete the decolonization process, a Jamaican academic says. Well, that is fascinating, and I do wonder about that. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it has been interesting to monitor how countries all around the world are responding to the Queen's death. Uh, most of them are staying diplomatic because they don't want to get too um, messy with it and face too much backlash. But as we see here, there is a legacy of slavery where in Jamaica, like other realms and the UK itself, the monarch's role is largely ceremonial. But that attachment to a colonial past described as inhumane, which has practical implications. Yeah, and obviously the British monarchy was directly involved in the slave trade. As we see here that the United Kingdom brought hundreds of thousands of enslaved Africans to Caribbean islands under British control from the 1600s until emancipation in the 19th century. So as we're about to celebrate a holiday in Canada, September 19th, this Monday, it was just declared there's going to be a holiday. 
what are we celebrating? Are we celebrating slavery? Are we celebrating returning uh, artifacts? Are we celebrating residential schools? What, what is really the point? On to the next story, speaking of which, the Crown needs to apologize to Indigenous peoples, the Assembly of First Nations chief says, from September 9th. And the article says, a new era of the monarchy has renewed conversations about the future of the Crown and Indigenous peoples. Assembly of First Nations National Chief Roseanne Archibald says the Crown needs to apologize for its role in colonization and residential schools run by the Anglican Church. Yeah, no doubt I agree. They were putting the pressure on the Pope. The Pope came to Canada, formally apologized, and the uh, monarchy, the United Kingdom, should probably also apologize. And this is the final story about the monarchy today. Why it would be virtually impossible for Canada to drop the monarchy. From Daniel Otis. Ooh, and for the record, Daniel Otis is an excellent UFO researcher. I want to reach out, and this is a good note to self. Thank you, audience. Canada's constitution makes it incredibly challenging for the country to end its ties with the monarchy. Well, I do like the theories that the current government of Canada has postulated severing ties from the UK to become a more independent nation. We'll see about that. There's no validation to this. It's just some of the fringe conspiracies that are floating around there. But yeah, that is an interesting one. Uh, really, it's all symbolic. It doesn't really matter much. But clearly, as we shift from uh, this economic power of West to East, the monarchy of the United Kingdom is pretty much done, I would say. But this is just interesting to bring up in succession, these four articles about the royalty. Okay, on to the next one. And now we're going to be getting much more into the geopolitics of world orders, touching on China, Russia, Israel. Uh, we've got some corruption articles. And we then we're going to be ending with uh, some CV-19 stuff. From the Jerusalem Post. The Israeli uh, Israel remains politically divided. No government for Netanyahu. The Labour and Maretz leaders met on Saturday evening with the Prime Minister to discuss a potential merger between the two left-wing factions. And this is an ongoing political stalemate. Uh, remember that uh, Netanyahu is no longer the leader, and it is actually quite uh, a mess in the uh, Israeli political world. So we will stay tuned to see what happens there. Um, yeah, so that is interesting that they are seeking a merge between the left, the, the leftist, and it's okay. So just ending this uh, article, though, saying the Zionist spirit again failed to pass the electoral threshold, only receiving 1.1% of the vote in the poll. The Zionist spirit. That is what that political party is called. And uh, the ruling party, if I'm not mistaken, uh, here as we see, one is there's the National Unity Party, headed by the Defense Minister Benny Gantz, continues to dwindle. 
And then we have the um, religious Zionist party are predicted to win 11 seats in the poll. Elsewhere, there are the United Torah Judaism remains steady with seven. So just for the record, it's not a conspiracy to talk about Zionism. It is literally the political movement of the state of Israel. So we're not talking about the people of Israel. We're not talking about Judaism. We're just talking about the actual political movement of Zionism here. Moving on uh, from Al Jazeera, China sanctions CEOs of Boeing Defense Raytheon over Taiwan arms. This is a big move here. China has announced sanctions on the CEOs of Boeing Defense and Raytheon over their involvement in Washington's latest arms sales to Taiwan, a Chinese foreign ministry spokeswoman said. So are they the sanctions on the CEOs or the companies? The sanctions on Boeing Defense, Space and Security CEO Ted Colbert and Raytheon Technologies core boss Gregory Hayes were announced on Friday. The sales include 60 anti-ship missiles and 100 air-to-air -air missiles, of which the respective principal contractors are Boeing Defense, a division of Boeing, and Raytheon. This is actually pretty fascinating. I think that does make quite a statement, because I don't think you're going to see the United States or any other Western countries putting sanctions on getting weapons. That is usually off the table. <laughs> But yeah, well, we'll just see where that goes. And actually, I was just on a conference call from the Canadian Foreign Policy Institute. It was a webinar looking at the uh, Canadian government's in, uh, intention to purchase drones, UAVs, unidentified aerial vehicles, not UAP, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, but the uh, acronym for drones they use in warfare and domestic surveillance. So I'm actually going to probably be doing an episode on that because that was a lot of information and there's a lot of corporations involved. And, you know, let's stop war. Let's stop killing each other, right? Especially if the ETs are going to be giving us the good technology and we're supposed to be going on to this next level of consciousness, raising our vibration, going to the fifth level of density, uh, learning how to implode non-destructively, all of that great science, sciencey stuff. I think I just saw an orb go behind me in the camera. Cool. Hmm. Okay, here we are. On to the next one. Hat in hand, Putin meets Xi for the first time since the Ukraine war. The Russian president's encounters with the Chinese leader cannot be considered a meeting of equals, analysts say. <laughs> analysts. I just wonder, where are these analysts from? Because that really gives us an indication as to the slant that the article is trying to push us towards. Um, and it's it's mentioning that there recently recently was a summit at uh, in Uzbekistan of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. They met in Uzbekistan to uh, obviously discuss a lot. Um, I am very fascinated to actually learn more about what was going on there, but this is just kind of a surface level. We're just talking about the, you know, this is geopolitics of world orders. This is Russia and China, uh, you know, figuring out how they can move things forwards. The BRICS alliance, that's the foundation. That's another topic that uh, I've got a lot of articles to bring up. 
and provide some context on. But because this is not really, this is an opinion piece, this isn't just telling us about the articles, we're not going to go too deep into it because that's not really uh, unbiased. But to continue on with the, let's see, do I have it here? Yeah, I'm just going to shift this over. So here is Iran signs memorandum to join the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the one we just mentioned. This was from September 15th. So now Iran has signed to become a permanent member of the SCO, a Central Asian security body. This is a perfect example of what we're talking about with uh, the shift from the West to the East. The Eastern countries are, are bridging their ties. They're setting aside their differences. They're forming pacts and bonds. And the statement came as leaders from China, India, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, Russia, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan headed to the latter's city of Samarkand for a summit of the eight members SCO, where they are trying to counterweight the U.S. influence. Now, observer countries are Afghanistan, Belarus, Iran, and Mongolia, while the organization has six dialogue partners, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Cambodia, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and Turkey. Well, I'll just read you this one quote here. The Americans think whichever country they impose sanctions on, it will be stopped. Their perception is a wrong one. <laughs> End quote. That is pretty succinct and powerful. Okay, uh, going to the next one. I'm trying to not say okay as much. I'm working on it. I am doing better with my cadences for the most part. If you do have other comments or criticisms, feedback, please comment below. I read every comment. I'm trying to grow and engage with the audience. I really appreciate your participation in our exploration and audit of the mainstream news. Here is from True North. True North is a lesser known Canadian news outlet, but I do like it a lot. As we can see on the right, they've got 203,000 fans on Facebook, so they're doing pretty good for themselves. Scotiabank fires back at Trudeau's claim that new spending won't drive inflation. Uh, so one of Canada's largest banks is disputing claims by PM Justin Trudeau that more government spending won't further inflation growth. Yeah, uh, I'm probably just going to have to side with the bank on this one because it is a pretty clear principle that when you print more money, it has less value. And the way that they spend money is just by printing it. So that's pretty clear cut and not that I like the banks, but <laughs> yeah, when the bank starts, yeah, we'll see how that goes. This one is uh, a sad story. The subject of Saskatchewan manhunt dead after going into medical distress following arrest. So this was sweeping uh, the world news and Canadian news because there was a, um, an individual who killed, who went on a killing spree in the province of Saskatchewan in Canada. Uh, it was from the indigenous community. And I am just sharing this part that the prime suspect in the mass stabbing is dead following the arrest. Shortly after taken into custody, he went into medical distress and was subsequently transported by paramedics to the hospital. And he died as a result of self-inflicted injuries, says Associated Press. Uh, we do have to just, you know, this is a tough one to get into. Um, 
I have resisted talking about it because it is, you know, I am from Canada. I do have indigenous blood. This is, uh, all of these stories are very uh, upsetting and disturbing. But I am just reporting on this side of things. Okay, so on to the next one. Now, this is, okay, this is a bit of a contradiction. These back-to-back stories. Both are from Al Jazeera. Putin tells Modi he wants Ukraine war to end as soon as possible. So he uh, rushes Putin, tells India's PM he understood New Delhi's concern over the conflict after, after Modi urged diplomacy. So he says he wants it to end as, uh, as soon as possible. That's from September 16th. Here is also from September 16th. From Al Jazeera, Russia-Ukraine latest updates. Putin says no hurry in Ukraine. He says that there were no plans to adjust Moscow's military operations. And yet he tells India's prime minister he wants the war to end as soon as possible. I am genuinely confused by what David Child, the uh, artist, uh, sorry, the author of this article is saying because he's in no hurry to end the war, yet he says he wants it to end as soon as possible. Uh, Yeah, a little confusing. Here we are going to Mexico. The Mexi- uh, Mexico arrests military officials over 2014 missing students case. Authorities detained retired colonel weeks after a commission declared the disappearance of 43 students a state declared it a state crime. This is pretty heavy and significant. The Mexican authorities have detained a retired army colonel and two other military officials for their alleged involvement in the 2014 disappearance of 43 students. I wonder what 43 means in the Gematria calculator. Just, I wonder. But so this is very disturbing. We see that the military uh, is involved in disappearing students. And this is unfortunately a reality for many parts of the world. Whether you're an activist or a journalist, you're trying to get the truth out there, you're standing up for your oppressive government. Unfortunately, a lot of parts of the world, I am blessed to be in Canada where... It's not so extreme. It's a little more uh, covert with getting people in trouble. But in other countries, the rule of law is a lot more chaotic. And unfortunately, it's a lot more dangerous. So we we will stay tuned to see uh, where this, what happens with this article. And really, hopefully, uh, people come to justice. And (coughs) sorry, and I just hope that people can uh, protest in peace without fearing for their lives and uh on the same on the same uh, parallel here from al jazeera uh under the category of women a woman dies after arrest by iran's morality police president Raisi orders an inquiry after masa amini 22 died after being detained by the iranian morality police what does that even mean, the morality police? Um, she suddenly suffered a heart problem while in the company of others receiving guidance and was immediately taken to the hospital. Right. So drawing the parallel of this medical distress to the medical distress of the uh, Saskatchewan story in that manhunt. Obviously not the same situations, but... When they tell us that somebody just has harmed themselves or they randomly got some heart problems, it kind of sounds like a bit like a cover-up. 
But uh, according to this article, the so-called morality police in Tehran arbitrarily arrested her three days before her death while enforcing the country's abusive, degrading, and discriminatory forced veiling laws. Yeah, that is pretty disturbing. And the mandatory dress code, which applies to all nationalities and religions, not just Iranian Muslims, requires women to conceal their hair and neck with a headscarf. Uh, I can't comment any further on this because I don't know about the morality police in Iran, but all we can report on is what they tell us here. Um, if we've got any audience members from Iran that want to comment and share some insight into what's going on, I would love to hear from you. So we are ending our uh, exploration of the news today with some CV-19. The first story that we're looking at is from written by Alex Berenson, who is a former New York Times reporter and was recently on Joe Rogan. And he explained that he is going to be suing the White House because they actively silenced him. And he never said anything that was actually wrong. He was bringing about the news, just like many other people that have, who have been talking about the lockdowns, the jabs, the masks, the restrictions. He actually won his case, not, not suing the White House, but he was able to be reinstated back on Twitter because they uh, unprofessionally banned him. But this report that he put out says, Denmark ends the CV medical experimentation for almost everyone under 50. And he says that Denmark will bar almost any, everyone under 50 from receiving more jabs, the Danish Health Authority says. So here he is taking a screenshot from the Danish Health Authority saying, why are people aged under 50 not to be, not to have it redone? Fascinating. So let's go to their actual website. What do they say? Well, seems like they actually took it down. Because if we go to the uh, people about uh, getting jabbed for people under age 50, it doesn't actually say the same screenshot that he has. So my guess is that they actually did change the website after his article went public. But let's refer to what they actually said. The purpose of the camp program is to prevent severe illness, hospitalization, and death. Therefore, people at the highest risk of becoming severely ill will be offered a booster. The purpose of this is not to prevent infection with CV-19, and people aged under 50 are therefore currently not being offered boosters. People aged under 50 are generally not at particularly higher risk of becoming severely ill. In addition, Younger people aged under 50 are well protected against becoming severely ill as a very large number of them have already had the jab and have previously been infected. And there is consequently good immunity among this part of the population. Hey, Canadian government, can you please talk to the Danish government and get on the same page? Okay, uh, on to the next three final ones. Uh, the climate impacts headed to uncharted territories of destruction, the UN chief warns. This is from Thomas Reuters, and this is obviously just the mandatory report on the devastation of climate change. And yeah, that's really all we're going to go into it. But just a reminder, actually, that when they say the last seven warmest years on record, they are only talking about the last 150 years. 
Um, oh, except they are talking about oceans and uh, warming over the past thousand years. But typically when they actually refer to the uh, record, they say that they have the records for only the past 150 years. And of course, the Earth is 4 billion years old, something like that. So 150 out of 4 billion, they're not including the cycles of time. They're not including the 1,100 scientists that have come out to say that there is no climate emergency. But, you know, who's keeping track? Whatever. Next up for the final two things. Huh. COVID is still a threat due to low vaccination, says the African CDC. This is from Al Jazeera. And the Africa CDC chief was asked if he agreed with the WHO that the end of the CV-19 pandemic was in sight. The virus is still circulating, and with the low rates of uh, getting jabbed, the pandemic is still very much with us here on the continent. Now, um, we're not going to go too much more into this. Just mentioning that no more than 22% of Africa's population is fully up to date. Only 22% of that continent is up to date. And yeah, makes you wonder, right? Where's their loss of death? Well, it's not from CV, it's from, you know what? Never mind, I'm not going to say that. The final article for today is the Lancet panel says it is was a massive global failure in fighting the COVID crisis. The commission says that the governments were not transparent and criticizes the UN health body for a slow response. A report by the Lancet Medical Journal's CV-19 commission has spelt out massive failures in the international response to the pandemic, laying out recommendations to better prepare for future health emergencies. They warned that governments failed to adhere to basic norms of institutional rationality and transparency. I will agree with that. And just going back to this, still a threat, says the CDC. And this article says the pandemic end of the pandemic is in sight from the World Health Organization. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? That's just noticing here. Killed nearly 6.5 and infected 606 million people, 6.606. Just throwing those numbers out there, and I might be just looking for patterns when they're not. But, you know, when you start reading into the news on a deeper level, using cryptograms, gematria, cryptography, etc., yeah, we start to see that there are more messages in the news than uh, at first glance. Well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, I am still experimenting with the camera angles. I've got my camera set up on the top of the computer. And so when I look up, I'm looking at the camera. But when I look down, I'm watching the screen. And my phone showed me having a much more of a body being centered in the image. But as I look to my screen on Zoom, unfortunately, it's mostly just my head. But I will continue to get better at that. If you have other suggestions, I am listening. I am reading. But there you have it for today. This was uh, September 16th, 2022. And thank you so much for being here with me as we unleash the Kraken. Thank you all so very much. Have a great day.